0: Raleigh Johnson. Raleigh, come on. I'm gonna pray Peter. for you if I could. Thanks, Pedro. Let me let me pray for you real quick, yeah, and then okay, we'll get just cool, started. Cool. 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 cool Father, cool. I just ask that you would uh, bless Raleigh, bless the words that he has to share this morning with us and all weekend. Uh, just let your Holy Spirit fill his heart, and we are just so blessed that he would take the the time to come and be with us today and uh, this weekend. And just ask that you would uh, just lift him up in all that he shares. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pedro. All right. I gotta say, I'm just thrilled to be here. Uh, I've got to do one of these before and a whole bunch of summer festivals. And uh, you, you heard Rich, what a phenomenal talent. Let's hear it for that guy. Uh, last time when I was at Dumpy Camp, uh, on and me, and it was blazing hot, Rich played there. And about a year later, I tried to steal him away and get him to Fargo. And apparently he and Jen had no ideas of going to Fargo. And so they're still wherever they are. And so I'm totally jealous hearing it again today. Thanks, Peter. What a, what a great, great guy. I am fired up beyond belief to be here. Peter asked me many months ago, and I've been praying almost daily about this, and particularly hard praying in the last few weeks, that uh, you and I uh, would establish some friendships and that I could get out of the way and the Holy Spirit could just descend upon this room every morning and evening and the Holy Spirit would speak to each of us. And we should have a blast uh, doing it, too. And we should introduce our our newest friends, uh, Bob and uh, Penny, right? Yeah, stand up. Now, they just wandered through the buildings taking a tour last night, and Pete said, well, you should come to this uh, Winterfest. It's pretty cool. So here they are. They're our newest members, okay? So, yeah, there they are. From uh, Eden Prairie, they're both retired, and uh, so you should draft them for all the rest of them, okay? All right, so uh, I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes just telling, me about, uh, telling you about who I am, so maybe we have some points of contact connection when we have dinner together, um, and uh, these are my three rugrats. Karina is my oldest. She uh, graduated from Concordia. She's at St. Thomas now getting her master's. Uh, Maurice is a sophomore at Concordia. The two girls, by the way, uh, my wife works at Concordia. She's in the Spanish department, okay? And so we gave the girls... Uh, each three choices of where they could go to school. They could either go to Concordia, or if they chose to, they could go to Concordia, or if they really wanted to, they could go to Concordia. We would support any decision. And ironically, all two of them chose Concordia. Uh, little Shane here, uh, we'll tell you about him in a minute. We're kind of a goofy family. Uh, it's not always uh, wedded family bliss, okay? You're gonna find that out, okay? I gotta tell you a funny story about this. Uh, as you notice, Karina and Maurice are a little bit older, correct? Shane is the surprise. Slipped one past the goalie long ago, okay? Not supposed to say that in church, okay? Well, I got to tell you about the day that we revealed this blessed event to the two older girls. How many have raised teenage girls, at least partially or all the way? Okay, you'll totally relate to this, okay? Well, Karina is my daughter that uh, we, we called her the black cloud, okay? She could kill anything, all right? You know, mood-wise, attitude, everything. She was just like, ah, strong-willed to the max. So Adi and I, my wife, we sit the two girls down on the bed. Karina's 14, eighth grade, absolute worst ladies, right? Y'all went through that, right? Or not you? Okay, all right, just checking. Eighth grade, Karina's eighth grade, the peak of her cloud-dark life, okay? (laughs) Marisa is 11, she's the opposite of Karina, pure joy, sunshine, fun, laughter, everything. So we sit them down quietly on the bed, and my wife goes, Guess what, girls? Mommy's going to have a baby. And Marisa starts jumping up and down. Yahoo! That's awesome! I can't wait! A baby brother's going to be so awesome! Karina does this instantly. She goes, Gross! I hate you guys! And then she runs out of the room, slamming the door, and cries for an hour. And for the first two months of, of Shane's life, she called it it. <laughs> and now he is the most spoiled brat on the planet. He's here today. There's Adi. She teaches Spanish. My wife is from Mexico, originally from Mexico City. Now all her tribe lives in Guadalajara. That's Karina graduating. Here we are on the Mexican beach. We usually go there once a year at least. And we're mostly fluent in Spanish. My kids are not bimbos, but uh, you may think that since I put that up. Anybody know what bimbo is? Yes. Right on, brother. It's the wonder bread of Latin America. What? Largest in North America. Is it? Yeah. Wow, see? Mr. Factoid, right there. What's your name? Justin. Justin, I like your enthusiasm. You're going to be helpful this week. Awesome. And you're, you're not a bimbo, okay? So anyway, that's the sponsor of a team. My kids are not bimbos, but they're pretty cool. And uh, there's Shane's uh, ninth. He's a huge Vikes fan. We're trying to maintain composure through this year. And uh, now... Uh, My, you know, I work at a church, Uh, I'm Lutheran by trade, I grew up Lutheran, I really could give a rat's thing about being Lutheran, and you'll find out more about that. Uh, And to tell you about my job's not all that exciting, I could say the title, and I get a new title every other week it seems, okay? But uh, I have a very active hobby life, and I'm gonna share some of that with you, because maybe it'll be a connecting point with some of you, okay? But my wife, she's pretty much a straight shooter, yeah, she's pretty blunt. And one day, I, cu- I could sense this had double meaning. We were sitting across from the table from each other. She kind of smiles. and, You know, honey, you're one of the most talented guys I know. And then there was this pause that seemed like about an hour, and I could tell something was coming. So she goes, you're one of the most talented guys I know at worthless things. <laughs> And so I want to share some of my worthless talents with you, okay? Because they don't generate money, they spend money. Uh, We love the Boundary Waters as a family, and then... uh, most of my career with youth ministry has been taking kids and adults to wilderness areas because I believe my job in life is to connect, reconnect people with the creator via creation. So you're gonna see a lot of that, okay? I build my own canoes. There's one of them. This is a family trip we were on. You're gonna hear more about that, okay? Uh, this is a family trip. There's Shane's first big bass. I found out two weeks later after we'd eaten all these fish that uh, bass didn't start for another three weeks. So, but he tasted delicious nonetheless and we didn't get busted. So that was good, Okay. <laughs> And uh, any lovers of Boundary Waters here? Okay, any, anybody get the magazine Boundary Waters Journal? Okay, well, that's pointless. Okay, I have an article in there. I'm a writer. This, uh, <laughs> that went over like a lead balloon, Yeah. Yeah. So this, the winner issue, I have an article in. This is Karina and I. I had planned this trip this summer to do a 200-mile traverse of the Boundary Waters from the West Crane Lake all the way through the border route and then finish with the uh, Grand Portage, 8.5-mile Grand Portage. And I was going to do it as a solo because I love alone time. And about a month before, Karina, my oldest, started begging and whining and playfully teasing me and saying, "Uh, I want to go with. So we did. This is, uh, we just... Uh, got about 180 miles done, and we finished on the Pigeon River. And then this is just before the start of the Grand Portage, eight and a half miles. So we did 200 miles in 11 days. And uh, you Boundary Waters people know what that's about. Uh, for years, probably 25 plus years, I take adults and kids to the Boundary Waters for winter camping. This is just a little step up from that. Okay, this camp right here. I really. <laughs> I'm really digging this. Last night, me and the two boys were in the hot tub. That doesn't happen here. Here it's 30 below, we're up in the Boundary Waters. We use all kinds of entry points. And I love, again, I like to connect people via creation to the Creator. So we do this and we build snow caves and we sleep in those for two or three nights. And again, that's a huge step up from this place. There's my Karina when she was younger. She started winter camping in fourth grade. Uh, For years, I've used rock climbing as a tool with kids because the parallels between rock climbing where you are truly trusting in the rock, rock and the anchors are huge. So to me, it's one of been one of my favorite tools. So here we're out in Vedawoo, Wyoming. Here's Marisa, who actually is my timid one and didn't wanna climb at all and would start crying you know, two feet off the deck every time I we went to the climbing gym. Well, she met a boyfriend that's a rock climbing machine. She's turned into a rock climbing maniac. She's even entered a couple competitions, which I just can't believe. Here's Karina climbing Laceration Jam at at, uh, the North Shore at Palisade Head, one of our favorite places. And then we've had several trips to Devil's Tower, the same exact shape and height as the IDS Tower downtown. I thought I had a picture we could see somebody there. So we, we enjoy climbing for various reasons. I like to take people to the mountains, and for years we've used the Wind Rivers in Wyoming and the Beartooths. And so it seemed like every other summer, we alternate between backpacking or canoeing or rock climbing, and uh, I like being in nature. No, I t- told you I was a canoe builder. Uh, several years ago, I took the idea of making canoes by yourself and amped it up a bit, and we made four gigantic 26-foot-long Voyager North canoes as a church group. So these are in process now. The materials for our new set—we're going to start this whole project over again—are arriving Monday. So we're doing it again about eight years later. And we had this canoe shack. Here's what they look like when they're done: 26 foot long, uh, four and a half feet wide, 260 pound. They're just awesome because I want kids to know what it feels like to take creation, which is cedar, and make something of value, and then put it to use in the wilderness and connect with God via the wilderness. So. Uh, here's what they look like up in the Boundary Waters. Quetico where the first couple troops. They look like Moby Dick. They're ginormous. And if you've been, th- those that have been to the Boundary Waters, you know the trails are about this wide, right, for a normal 17-foot canoe. Well, imagine trying to get a 26-footer. Here's my meathead crew, all guys, and we were sailing that day. Then one year we took them out to the upper Missouri River and we floated in central Montana uh, for a trip, and that's where we're going again this year. So, uh, And again, here's one, another one of my worthless hobbies. I'm a flint napper, Anybody know what that is? Yeah, city folks from Edina, how would they know, right? Okay, just order me a mochaccino and uh, we'll hire somebody, right? <laughs> Did I nail that? Did I nail that? Amen. Yeah, right on, brothers. Every day I need attention. I know that's a standard issue thing, but I'd love to say that. Okay, what is it, Scott? I've heard you talk, but I know yeah, because you were at the last one. That's not fair. Yeah, so you take a piece of flint and I go all over the planet searching for flint. My wife hates me because I have piles and piles of rock around the house. And, I, and we knock off all these flint chips and then we end up with a spearhead or an arrowhead or something like that. It's just, a goof, like I said, I do a lot of stupid things. And instead of using a man-made arrowhead, I like to use my own here or make bones knives here. I'm a phenomenal, I'm not a phenomenal hunter, I'm a fanatical, obsessive hunter. Again, ask my wife, it's another one of my worthless hobbies. And I make all my own archery equipment because I like to do that. So here's the one and only elk, guys, I've tried probably 15 times and only got one, so don't think I'm a great hero, okay? And here's a one-piece Indian bow made out of a piece of Osage with deer sinew, the real deal, just like the Indians did, okay? I like to run, but I like to run with purpose. That's my friend Rory. We, we may talk about this week. Here's what I really want you to know about me. I'm Lutheran, and I could really care less if I'm Lutheran. It just happened to be what I grew up in. My wife is Catholic, okay? Not just Catholic, but she is hardcore Mexican Catholic. <laughs> I mean, you Catholics here, you know, forget about it. She could <laughs> knock you out of the water, okay? But... We have a cool thing with our kids. Karina graduated, she went all the way through zero to uh, 12 to Shanley High School, graduated Catholic school. Marisa did four years of Catholic uh, elementary and then she went to a Lutheran school for a while, hated that, and so she ended up in the public school, which is where I went, and that's cool. But what I want you to know about this is uh, I'm about the most economical, I can't even say, ecumenical, there you go, big words for a park and rec major. Yeah, I know, yeah, all right. Anything after two syllables gets tough for me, okay? Uh, here is our Catholic priest at the time, Phil Ackerman, the coolest priest around. There, It seems like there's very few priests that get it like he did. And this is my boss and, and head pastor, Craig. This is Shane. Shane's he's uh, nine. He's third grader here this week. And uh, we did this absolutely beautiful combo baptism. Priest, pastor. Priest, pastor. We went over on a Saturday night to Holy Spirit Church and... We had 40 friends gathered around and we did it the way it was supposed to be done. There was nothing about being Catholic or Lutheran. It was just one baptism. And I love this picture because I think Lutheran, Catholic, Pentecostal, Evangelical, E-free, Baptist, those are man-made words and I could care less about those. Most of those words are non-biblical words. What counts is your relationship with Jesus. That's what we're going to be about this week. So here we are, priest, pastor, Catholic, Lutheran, and a baby, mongrel mix of everything and everything. You know, I'm just going to uh, close this little part of it with that. Yeah, there's only one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. It says nothing about baptize your kid Lutheran, does it? It just says one faith. So I, I, I want to welcome you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, and I think we're going to have a lot in common as we go through the week. I want to get started on the right foot because I want to have fun this week. We're going to get serious too. But I hope you laugh your butt off uh, during my presentation sometime. I hope maybe you, might move, you move to tears sometime. So let's take a real good, funny look at who we are as church people. Watch closely, it's a bad film, but there's a fount here. The Fount of Life. Little holy water's good, too. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best. You gotta pay attention, ladies. Whoa! Little cleavage shot there. Now watch, watch the hand. Watch the, watch the hand. Whoa! And there's nothing like a cat licking itself when you're getting married. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Well, now you can see a foretaste of what's to come. Let's, uh, let's pray before we get on to the real deal, okay, shall we? Uh, Lord, I love what Pete just said in his prayer. He said at the beginning, he said it now, I'm a huge believer in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, uh, via the invitation from Pedro, uh, you and I have been wrestling for months and praying and working on what we need to bring these people. I don't know them all by name. I don't know their background. I don't know what they need. But you do, Lord. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, which I believe is present in this room at this time, The Holy Spirit will act as the great interpreter through what I've prepared. And Lord, through all these little tiny messages, Lord, I pray that I would get out of the way because people don't need to hear Raleigh J; They need to hear you. So I would ask your presence here as the great interpreter. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to... And and what you're seeing here is what you're going to get all week long. I don't like to talk at you. It's going to be tons of of pictures and object lessons. I don't like it when people talk at me. I want to ask... Men, how intimate are you with your heavenly Father? Because I think we stink at that. And ladies, I'm going to ask you the same thing. I'm going to pick on both of you a little bit today. And I'm going to do it like this. See, I think everybody's view of God the Father has to do with your frame of reference. Now, anybody know what that's from? Mr. Wikipedia? That's because you're too young. Jason? Monty Python. See, you just lost. Okay. All right, I just had to put that up because those of us of a certain age, we just love Monty Python. Okay, uh, some of us view God as a cop; he's just waiting to get you. He's gonna catch you, and he's gonna put it in his book. Some of us view uh, uh, God as a marine; we're never doing enough. Come on, you make it. You can do so much better in your life and your marriage. <laughs> I should have had a tic tac. <laughs> like he's wiping his face. I'm so sorry. We believe that God is stern and He demands more, and we ought to do better. Some of us just see God is this sterile courtroom, and all he's going to do is judge us in the end. Yet it depends on your frame of reference as to how intimate you are with God. This is my favorite. <laughs> Ignore the man behind the curtain. That'd be Pete, OK? Yeah. Huge, powerful, but distance and fearful. Don't want to get close to him. Don't want to get next to him if that's your frame of reference. Now, I put this in there for my wife because she grew up in hardcore Mexican Catholic school. So anytime she sees a penguin or anything black and white, she kind of gets the hives because she can feel the stick coming down on her knuckles, right? So that has affected her view and her relationship with God. Uh, How many of us view God like this? Yes, Lord, uh, I I will take uh, this next one. I would prefer Mercedes Benz, please. Or the iPod Shuffle, that would fit me a little better. And God's nothing but a butler to bring us stuff. Now, this is a tough one. Some of us in this room grew up with abusive dads, either verbally or physically, or just as bad absent dads that weren't there, or dads that walked away. And so imagine if that is your viewpoint of fathers, and then I ask you to hold hands and say, Our Father who art in heaven, that would really mess with how intimate you are with God, okay? So let's bring it in real terms, okay? Here's Shane, one-year-old. <clears throat> He's with the great man, right? The great father figure, Santa. Look at that face, okay? This, I think, is one-year-old, okay? Year two, not much better. He's crying. Year three, three, he refuses to go, okay? <laughs> because that's just the way it is. Year four, he finally goes, but look at the body language. What do you see in the body language? I'll endure it while I can, but I can't wait to get out of here, right? Yeah. Now, uh, Santa is great because he brings presents, right? Dads and moms, you are great because we bring presents. We bring presents. God desires intimacy from each of us because he wants to be present, and he wants you to be fully present. This is up in the Boundary Waters. Adi was just taking some casual shots. You know, uh, yeah, melts my heart. Uh, A a while back, uh, Shane and I, we're, we're pretty tight. We wrestle, we talk, and so I'm driving him to school. He's in Spanish immersion school. I got a long drive to take him there, and I just look in the mirror, and I go, hey, Shane, why does Daddy love you so much? And he did not hesitate. He did not wait a millisecond. And I would have thought he would say, because I'm awesome at soccer. I got three goals this week. And us dads, we would say, why does God love you? Because well, I'm an awesome businessman. I provide for my family. I'm super successful. I, I drive a Mercedes, right? But you know what his answer was? And he didn't think twice about it. I said, why does daddy love you so much, Shane? He said, because I am your son. That's your secret, sacred identity. You are a son and daughter of the living king of the planet, king of the universe. We're going to talk about identity tonight, okay? Why does daddy love you so much? Because you're my son, you're my daughter. I'm the one that created you. I desire intimacy. Men in the room, we stink at intimacy, both with our wives, oftentimes with our children. Could you do that with God? Could you just lay it all out into his arms? Could you jump in there and say, Lord, my life is a mess? Ladies, can you do that? Like if you had a good dad, like you did with your your dad? Can, Can you be intimate with your heavenly father in that capacity? So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. That's everybody in the room through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and you are heirs. We are heirs to the kingdom. In Jesus and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. This isn't a God up there, me, little, little old me down here. This is come to Papa, come to Abba, jump in my lap, let's talk. Then let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our hour of need. Now, America's greatest, most talented actor. (laughs) He's so diverse. I have seen him several times play a rich kid that's spoiled. And then I've seen him play a rich kid that's spoiled. And then he was in another movie where he was a rich kid and he was spoiled. He's so diverse. But throughout the weekend, almost every talk, we're going to have one or two videos because I love to find the sacred in Hollywood and that the world produces that we often miss. Now, if you know this movie, Adam Sandler plays a dad, a workaholic dad, just out for the world. You know, he's got to get everything. And this God figure, Christopher Walken, creepy guy, gives him a clicker. You know, a, a remote control. And the power of the remote control is he can forward through the icky stuff of life. Like it shows him sitting at the table and his wife's nagging him to do something and he just goes, Zoot, and he fast forwards through it. Wouldn't that be convenient? <laughs> the guy's are going, right on, right on. And the wives are going, ah! So he has this power, but he abuses it after a while and he fast forwards through most of his life. And he misses his dad's death because it's icky and it's hard and it's tough. So he's standing at the graveside and the God figure, Christopher Walken says, well, I can't take you backwards. I can't rewind it to your father's death because you just weren't there, you missed it. And so we're gonna pick it up from that scene and he's gonna go back to his office and see himself as this hard driving type A dude, getting the work done, making money. And he's gonna see himself, his son and his father. And we're gonna look at it from two perspectives. One is earthly moms and dads who have children. That's why we're here this week for family camp. And we're going to look at it in terms of maybe we have neglected time in our Heavenly Father's lap. So let's pick it up. Keep it loud. I like it loud. He can't go back to his father's death. He wasn't there. He passed over it. it. won't take you there. Take me where? To the moment he died. You weren't there.
1: Of course I wasn't. Can you take me to the last time I saw him, please? Hey, Dad. there's a... Sorry to uh, bug you. Would you mind looking at my... Uh- my shopping mall design again, this one is cheaper. But if you check this out, you'll see it has Whoa. a much better natural flow. Cheaper one. Like I said, I just let me do my email. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Dad. Um, he ain't right. Bruce, you're a schmuck. Better. Look at it. Surprise. Hey, Grandpa. Oh, my
0: God.
1: <laughs> the fawns. When did you get so handsome?
0: So, Michael, I
1: had a wonderful idea. Your mother's playing canasta with her friends tonight. I thought, oh, what a great opportunity. You, me, and Ben should go and have a boys' night out. Can't. What do you mean you can't? You have to eat sometime. We could go, we could whistle at pretty girls. (laughs) I'm down for that. See, he's down. I don't know what it means, but he's down. (laughs) Hey, please. Don't give me that finger. I'll make you a deal. If you come, I'll show you the quarter trick. Yo, you look at the man? I'll tell you the secret. No, Dad. Don't you want to know how you do the stupid trick? I've always known. Can you let me do my work? I love you, son. I love you too, dad. I'll miss you. You know that.
0: Maybe part of why you're here this weekend is just to stop. And moms and dads, you know, are we spending the time with kids that we need to? I see this and I say, I better make a phone call to my dad. Because I haven't for a few weeks. I just take it for granted. But as we look back at Shane sitting in my lap, cuddled up and cuddly, have you been neglecting time with your heavenly father that simply wants to say, I love you, daughter. I love you, son. I love you, daughter. That's spending time with your heavenly father. I want to I wanna connect this to some scripture. Now, that was kind of hard on us men. Ladies, I promise you, we're going to be a little hard on you in a moment. Yeah, like it's getting easier, right? <laughs> you've know, you you've all heard this. This is like preaching to the choir. There, uh, Jesus says there's two men who had two sons. Younger one said to the father, get out of here. I want to get out of here. I'm cramped. And so not long after that, the younger son got together. All he had off for a distant country, and he squandered all his wealth. He had spent everything. There was severe famine in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who set him to fields and feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods. What a perfect picture when you move away from life with the Father. See, when you're with the Father, you got everything. When you try and do it on your own and find identity through other things, You end up homeless and hungry. When he came to his senses, he said, I'm starving to death. I'll set out and go back. My father says to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and you. He's got this speech. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like your hired servant. So he got up and he went to his father. And this is the part that we all love and gets preached about all the time. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and he was filled with compassion. And not just waiting for him, but he runs out to the end of the bus stop, throws his arms around him and kisses him. Because that's what fathers desire of their kids. To embrace them, to be intimate emotionally and physically. And the son had his speech, said, Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, hey, get the best robe, put a ring on his finger, get out the sandals, get, kill that fatted calf, let's party. Because this guy was dead, now he came back to me. And usually that's where the story ends. And we never talk about... How many oldest kids do we have in the room? Raise your hand. Okay, we're going to focus on you. That's me too. I'm an elder child. Okay. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dance, and he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, and they're killing the calf and putting on the ring and the robe. So the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father. You can just sense the anger and jealousy of us older kids Doggone it, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf. Just jealousy and anger. This is the important part. When you are in a relationship and intimate with God, your father, you have access to all this. He says, my son, my daughter, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead. He's saying, you've had it. It's been right around you. Do you remember the Wizard of Oz? Dorothy in the end, what does she have to do? There's just no place like home. Just click your heels. It was there all along. But some of us run away from it and try and find stuff on our own. Take a look at this. Now, the younger son, passionate, adventurous, fun. He was lovable. My little brother's like that. He did, he did all these things. I lived my life vicariously through the sins of my brother growing up, okay? He was one of those. I was the, you know, the straight A, working the church guy, nice guy. I was first born, classic, okay? Now, the elder son, he had some qualities too. He was dutiful, he obedient, hardworking, respected. Outwardly, he was faultless. And this is where a lot of us church people come in. Now, the younger son, we, we you know, his sins appear on the on the paper in the morning, you know? He was out with prostitutes. He was gambling. He was wasteful, drunken. He, he's in the paper. He's on the news. And then there's us church people that go to church every single week. We're pretty good people. But our, our sins are subtle. They don't appear on the news. But they're just as brutal. We're envious. We're jealous. We're judgmental. We're resentful. We're condemning. And we're self-righteous. That story is packed but they always forget about us elder sons. Now, this is what I call life at home. When you're with home with God, you're like the first son, you got all that. I got to tell you this little story about Shane. Happened last summer. We, uh, we're in flood country, and right now we've got a huge dike that goes right along uh, uh, the, our property. And I was in the garage working one Sunday afternoon, tinkering on some stuff, and we could hear this rumbling outside. It was beautiful sunshine, and we could tell there was a thunderstorm coming. And uh, so I said, Shane, Let's go out and run in the street and get soaking wet while the storm's coming. So we run out. And just as we got out on the street, the, 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 the clouds sealed off the sun. And the rumbling started. And first, it started coming down just a little bit at a time. And then it just started pouring out. And I said, Shane, let's rip off our shirts. So we rip off our shirts. And we start just dancing in the rain. And there's steam coming off the pavement. And we're just having a blast dancing and playing in the rain like little kids should. And he's just screaming with delight because it's so fun. And after about 10 minutes, we're soaked like rats. I said, Shane, rain and sunshine, because the sun was just poking out, equal what? He goes, rainbows. I said, look around. There's got to be a rainbow. And literally, just as I say that, we turn around and on our street, arcing over our street, not up in the air, but eight feet off the deck, was a perfect rainbow from ditch to ditch. And and what would Shane do as an eight-year-old? instantly. He just turns around and goes jumping, trying to jump in and touch and feel the rainbow. I mean, he's a kid. And I said, Shane, you know what's at the bottom of the rainbow, right? Cold. He, He physically, literally went over to this ditch, nothing there, nothing there. And I wonder how many of us leave home, leave our relationship with God, and we chase rainbows that are not there. They look good. They promise gold. Let me read this to you. They look so real and they promise gold, but in the end, they dissipate and they dissolve like dust in the wind. I've chased a few in my day. I wrote this because this is for sure. I've chased athletic accomplishments, academic or career achievements, human accolades and applause, trophies and ribbons, a girlfriend, a job, a title, a position, hobbies and diversions. Others I know... I uh, believe the right car or clothing label or house on the right block or newest toy or techno-gizmo will bring the ultimate fulfillment that our world continually promises. Others I know have chased the rainbow in a bottle or a needle or a slot machine. Looking to be fulfilled like the elder brother who had it all right here. It's just a matter of intimacy with your heavenly Father. Chasing rainbows, I love this picture. Isn't that awesome? It just sums it up. And faith is not about theology. It's not about going to church, you know, and getting your five-week ribbon. It says, let the little children come to me, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, any of you who will not receive the kingdom of God, that means God himself, like a little kid, like Shane in my arms, will never enter it. So he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. And I believe he just says over and over, son, I love you. Daughter, I love you. Stay close. Stay home. I promised you, ladies. I'm going to go back. Hold on. Some say that Jesus was the ultimate prodigal son. Because he left all the good things. He was right, tight relationship with God, comfort, security, power. He left that and he became homeless and hungry. And yet he found his way home through a very difficult process called the cross. Ladies, moms, I want you to have your turn.
1: Let's pray. i
0: prodigal son, came down here, left everything, made his way back via the cross. Moms, only you know what that's like. Love always starts with God. Love always flows down. God simply desires intimacy with you. He wants to know you. He wants to know your hurts and your pains. And maybe this week can be a time to just reconnect with God in an intimate way. Maybe it'll also be a way to just take a look at your family life and both the parents that you came from. I know my mom died uh, 12 years ago, but my dad's still around. And then most of us in the room are parents. And we have the job of passing down the love of God to those kids. So let's pray, shall we? Lord, thanks for such a gorgeous day. We give you thanks for the beauty of the snowfall outside, for everybody's safe travel, We give you thanks, Lord, that you left heaven. didn't have to. Probably shouldn't have. But you did. It was out of love. Lord, help us as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ to uh, fall into your lap, to give you our joys and our sorrows, our frustrations, our failures, our successes. Let us become more intimate with you throughout this weekend. And Lord, then help us to pass that love on to our loved ones our coworkers, our family, our friends. In Jesus' name, amen.